Hey everybody, this is Patrick Cacciatore with No Struggle, No Story. Uh, here on No Struggle, No Story, we put a huge emphasis on talking with the most successful athletes in the world about some of the struggles and adversities that they face in their life and how they were able to overcome them and use them rather as an, instead of a negative experience uh, as a positive one and one where they can really learn and grow. So I'm super excited to have on Kyvin Gadsden today. He is the uh, 2015 NCAA champion, 2013 Big 12 champion, and two-time U.S. Open champion uh, wrestler out of Iowa State. So thank you so much for coming on, man. No problem, Pat. I'm super excited to be on. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward to to speaking with you and um, yeah, and just communicating. So absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, if you could maybe tell the viewers a little bit about your story, you know, starting you know wherever you feel like is best and kind of going through uh, you know what you went through. You know, obviously, I think we spoke a little bit about it. Like at your time at Iowa State, you went through a lot of struggles with. Yeah. mental health and injuries as well as you know obviously a really tough event so if you want to kind of go into some of that and we can kind yeah of well I guess I'll start um junior maybe year of high school um just to kind of give a little bit of context uh junior year of high school um I win the 2009 state tournament Iowa high school state tournament 171 pounds that's the same that summer you can start getting recruited pretty heavily uh, that so once that happened uh, I started getting phone calls uh, in July uh, home visits started everything like that and right before all the home visits and things started we went down to the junior national duels in Oklahoma City there I was undefeated it's a two-day tournament uh, the best teams from around the country come. I was undefeated the first day. The second day, uh, the competition level rises and my knee starts acting a little weird. Um, I didn't realize it, but in April of that year, after I won um, my state title, I was at a regional event uh, and I tweaked my meniscus or I tore my, tore my meniscus a little bit. Didn't realize it at the point, just took some, took some rest, came back from that, um, June getting ready or at the national duels and last match of the day, uh, I do a, a regular like shot fake and I tear my meniscus out com completely. Wow. Uh, from then, Nothing really changed at that point. It was just like, okay, like you're injured, you deal with it, you come back. It's just one of those things. My first practice back, like the, the recruiting process still went really well. It wasn't, you know, unforeseen for a kid to tear a meniscus, you know, sure. wrestling. And it was one of those injuries that you can come back from and, mm -hmm. and, and be the same, basically. Yeah, person same level. Before. Yeah. And so I still got recruited, still got my scholarship to Iowa State. I committed in July of 2009, going into my senior year, super excited, uh, moving up a weight class, ready to um, end my high school career and move on to Iowa State. And my first practice back, live wrestling from that knee injury, I tear my left shoulder. I tear my labrum in my left shoulder. Okay. And again, didn't know it was torn. So went throughout the high school season with it, you know, coming in and out, you know, yeah. whatever, and just kind of dealt with it. At the end of the season, we get, you know, checked out and 
get a surgery, um, go on to Iowa State that summer of June 2010. Super excited again. You know, like this is my dream. I've always wanted to wrestle right. for Iowa State. Get there. I'm injured. So when we start, you know, team workouts, I can still run and do certain stuff, but I can't you know, wrestle and that's taking, you know, like the can't go through toll. full practices. Yeah. I can't get through full practices. So that's taking a mental toll, but it's not like anything that's, I guess. Devastating. Yeah. Like it's not devastating. You know, I'm just really like, I'm aware of it, but not like over aware that, Oh, like, you know, something's really wrong. So we get there, things are going pretty well. Season gets going. Um, First tournament of the year, I um, I beat like the, the one of the top ten ranked guys in the country. Um, he's actually from Nebraska, um, awesome. <laughs> uh, or he's from Iowa, but he wrestled at Nebraska. And so I'm like, yo, pull my red shirt, coach. Like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Um, and he decides that it's best not to, um, which it's crazy because literally, maybe a match or two later. I break my wrist. I fracture yeah. my wrist. Um, right which, after he called, right after he decided not to pull the red shirt. Yeah. So, which I told him, I, well, it was that same day, like, cause like I pinned the guy, I win the tournament. Um, and like, we're just taping up my wrist the whole time. But I don't know, like, again, like, it's just like wrestling, you know, you gotta be tough, whatever, whatever. I'm just like, I have my wrist feels a little bit weird. It's nothing crazy, but whatever. So we go in, um, I tweaked my shoulder that I was coming back from just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we go in and check out my, my wrist and it's fractured. So we're like, all right, we're going to put you on the shelf. We're going to prepare you, get you ready for next year. Um, or we'll get you ready for the summer wrestling so that you can go make a junior world team, get that exposure yeah. because you know, you want to be a, a world Olympic champ one day. So April of 2011, we go to the junior world um, nationals for USA. And in the semifinals of that, I'm wrestling, things are going well, and I feel my, my right shoulder pop out. And I'm like, I know exactly what that feeling is. Yeah. And I come to the corner and I'm like, yo, coach, like, I just tore, tore my shoulder. And he's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like nah, coach, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, I tore pretty it. Pretty positive like, I did. But. Like, 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 you know, because at this point, I dealt with it before. And, like, I understand what it feels like. And he's like, and I'm like, so, basically, I'm really not going to do much the rest of this tournament. Like, I'm still going to win this tournament. Like, that was the type of confidence I had in myself. Like, I'm still going to win this tournament. But it's not going to be the way that we, like, trained to win it, you know? Yeah. And... He's like, all right. So basically that it was amazing because at that point, you know, I'm injured, I'm injured, I'm injured. And so you can't really get a gauge. Like when you're, when you recruit a kid and when a coach is recruiting you, you don't know what's real in a, in a certain way, you know, like everybody puts up maybe like a facade of this is okay. who there is, this is what it's going to look like. And everything's going to be peachy, hunky dory, yeah. great. And when you get in like sticky situations, you don't really know what what's going to happen. And so because I was injured so much, I think, you know, it was like, well, is this kid who we thought he was? Yeah. You know is he mean? everything I, that we I, thought he was going to yeah, be when know. we recruited him? And um, because when we went, when we got back from that tournament, my shoulder was torn. Mm -hmm. I think it grew our relationship, you know, like, cause it's like, okay, this kid, if he, if he tells me something, like something's off. For sure. 
something's off. You know, it's yeah. not like he's just, you know, he's making up or he's trying to, you know, get out of, you know, workout or training or have an excuse. It's, you know, it's real. And so that was a positive from that experience. Um, but again, had to have another surgery on the right side. Uh, and that put me out until the beginning of my red shirt um, freshman year. So the first year that I would actually put on an Iowa State singlet, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm nervous, obviously, because I'm coming off of these injuries. But at the same time, all my energy up to that point had always been into wrestling. So my um, freshman year, when I got injured and I couldn't wrestle and I couldn't perform, like I had never drank, I had never, you know, smoked, mm-hmm. you know, any of that stuff. And I just got depressed. Like I, I was like super depressed. I didn't have anywhere to put that all the energy that I had placed into sport. I started placing into drinking, yeah. um, uh, smoking, and even started um, messing around with the, uh, the, the opioids um, that they give you for, for the shoulder surgery. Right. Yeah. And so I was in a really a dark, dark, dark space um, sure. when all that was happening. Because again, all the energy that I had placed into wrestling had to go somewhere. And yeah. at that point, my whole being, my whole confidence, my swagger, my person all came from, you're this great wrestler or good wrestler. And that's how you, you know, that's how you care. That's who you are. That's who you are, you know? And that was my understanding of it came to be that's dangerous, you know? Sure. And, and so when I wasn't able to wrestle, it was like, okay, I have to put my energy to somewhere. And instead of putting my energy into school or rehab hmm. or, you know, community service, things like that, I put it into partying. Um, and it was, you know, it was detrimental. And I think that kind of led to the second shoulder surgery happening, even though I was still competing at a high hmm. level, essentially mentally and physically, my body wasn't, as primed as it needed to be so i think that's why i tore this this shoulder because i was still wrestling well but i don't think my body was primed like it needed to be so then going into that redshirt freshman year i'm ranked probably 15th in the country just because no one's got really a gauge on me of what i can do Mm -hmm. um in a couple days before like one of the dual meets that they're going to let me wrestle in my shoulder slips out again so we knew going in and I was just like, it doesn't matter. Like I'll, I'll figure out how to win. Like I've done it before I've done it yeah. and I'll do it again. Like I'll just figure it out. And in my first duel meet, I come out right out the bat, like, uh, like a firecracker, I guess you would say. And, um, I'm flawed in terms of technique. So I get in a bad position and my shoulder pops out injury timeout. And I'm just like telling the trainer and the coach, um, just please don't stop the match. Because at this point, this might going to be my fourth surgery in three years. Yeah. And so I'm just like, this is going to be the last time I wrestle. Just let, me, let me wrestle again. Right? Like, let, is, let, me, let me go out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is my last time wrestling. Um, it's in Hilton Coliseum, somewhere I've always dreamed of wrestling. You know, like, just let me, let, me, let me finish out this match and figure it out. Because in my mind, at that moment, when it came out again in that match, it was like, my, my career is over yeah. um, after this match. And so when that happened, which was like November, I think, 28, 2011, okay. when that happened, it was just like, bam. So anyways, I finished the match. I ended up losing. Um, and 
I go in the back afterwards and I'm just like, I'm like just depleted, energy depleted. And I remember the next day watching the, watching the, the, um, the, the replay and a commentator goes like, this Gatson kid has no heart, you know, yeah. um, because the way the match played out. And it was just like, for me, it was just like, everyone in here knows what just happened. Like everyone knows that I literally like tore your shoulder again, tore my shoulder out. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, this commentator is supposed to be like an Iowa state guy. And, and I'm just like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's How can crazy. you say that? You don't even know me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, it was like, it felt like a really personal attack. And I remember also very vividly, there was a lady in the crowd that said, come on, Kevin, you're supposed to be good. And I, I remember that voice just like so vividly. And it's crazy because in the same sense, like when I went on to accomplish the things that I did, I know for sure I had an interaction with that lady. Mm -hmm. I know for sure I had multiple interactions with that man that said that I have no heart, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that's crazy that you would say that about me, you mm -hmm. know, and whatever, you know, people, people say what they say, but it just was always something that was like, you know, stuck in my brain. But after that, I really went into a bad depression. The next weekend, um, I got a call. My grandma died. Uh, the only grandparent I ever knew um, passed away. And so that turned into a really bad spiral. So dealing with the injuries, thinking your career is over. Grandma passes away the next week. Um, Iowa State's having one of the worst, I would say, wrestling seasons in, in like, history. Yeah. And it's just like, you can't do anything about it. Or that was my mind frame at the time. Okay. So grades are suffering, um, communication suffering, just overall social, everything is like, all the energy is, is like turning into negative energy. I mean, really tough time. Um, and then March comes, I go down to the NCAA tournament, I watch it. Um, that's 2011. No, no, no. That's 2012 say tournament because the season's 11 12 and it's like man can't do can't do anything and this is like super bad tournament and I, i'm watching guys that i know that i'm better than compete and do well and things like that and it's like i just i haven't had the opportunity and then two weeks after that uh, my parents call a family meeting and they inform us that our dad has stage four lung cancer and so on top of that, yeah. um, on top of the injuries, on top of um, grandma dying, now I find out that my dad, which is at that point, my best friend has stage four lung cancer wow. and you don't come back from stage four, you know, for the most part, Absolutely. right? Like, Absolutely. And so it's like, you're just waiting for your dad to pass away, right? So at that point, there was like an understanding in a way that, okay, I have to get back wrestling so that my dad, who's my best friend and was also my coach, can watch come to fruition all the work that we put in. Um, so do you feel like, do you feel like, you know, obviously like such a tough situation and like you had this love for your dad, but you're going through all of this, these tough times, like leading up to that. Do you feel like maybe like your love for your family and your dad really helped you kind of pull yourself back into like 
your best, like your best self. In a way, yes, but it was also detrimental. I, I, and then I, and I was, I'm going to share that, like how I felt like it became detrimental um, because it was positive at first, right? It was like, okay, I have to get back so that my dad can see me wrestle. Right. Mm -hmm. And that had never been my motivator. Like yeah. for my dad to see me wrestle is because I loved wrestling. I enjoyed it. Right. Like, exactly. and so I want to, and I wanted to be good at it. So that was always my motivation, motivation. Uh, and so I get back healthy. Things are going good. I, I don't drink, smoke, do anything um, all summer long. Right. So all summer while everyone else is like kicking back, chilling, yeah. having a good time. I'm locked in on making sure I get myself back into a prime um, body type, mind frame, shape, everything. Going to the season, season's going well. Um, I, I don't have any losses. I go to the Midlands tournament. Um, my dad makes it to the first dual meet and he watches me win. Um, I go to the Midlands tournament, which is a super prestigious tournament. I go there and I'm beating the third ranked kid in the country uh, with eight seconds left and I um, get taken down and lose and so at that point I'm just like what in the heck is going on like I did not come back and do everything that I'm doing for that to happen right yeah. like that's not supposed to happen and I come back the next day I end up taking fourth at the tournament um, go on throughout the rest of the season and January hits we're gone all of January traveling for duels and everything like that and February hits beginning of February Arizona States comes into town um and Arizona State my dad was the head coach at Eastern Michigan University he had one all-american his one all-american is now assistant coach at Arizona State when they come into town that that um all-american coach goes up to Waterloo which is an hour and a half from Ames visits my dad but he posts a picture online of my dad and this is before facetime is popping like that duo all the video chat stuff is really popular so i haven't seen my dad since november i've talked yeah. to him on the phone every time i talk to him everything's good yeah you know no one's letting me know what the real situation is what's going on and so when my dad's um uh friend um and former athlete post that picture my dad was 275 pounds when he got sick he was about 205 pounds when they found out he was like literally 130 pounds. And I was just like, wait, when did this happen? Like what, wow. what has been happening over the last three months where I've been like so engulfed in wrestling mm -hmm. that I haven't been aware of what's going on in my family. Right. And my dad would want me to be engulfed in wrestling. He wouldn't want me being worried about him because he feels like it would take away from my wrestling. Right. And when that happened, I like told my parents, I was like, look, if it affects my wrestling, it affects my wrestling. But the one thing you guys have to understand about me is if dad were to die or I didn't call and say whatever, whatever, and get a chance to say my piece because I was wrestling, mm -hmm. I would probably never look at wrestling the same again and might not ever be able to do it. So I need you guys to be like just completely transparent with me about what's happening. Sure. And so from that point on, they were super transparent. Like we knew it was going to happen at some point. We were just hoping like it would be after NCAAs mm -hmm. in 2013 because the NCAAs were in Des Moines. So I was hoping yeah. that, like we were going to be able to, you know, get my dad down to the NCAAs in Des Moines. And the week before the Big 12 tournament, which was March 10th, because he passed away March 11th, um, we go down to the Big 
12 tournament and I'm there and I'm just like shook because we had already took him to the ho- hospital. So we like knew he was going to pass mm-hmm. and I'm just expecting them to call me and tell me like, Hey, you missed a tournament because, or you missed your dad passing away because you're at a wrestling tournament. And it wasn't unnormal for me to miss. It was normalized very much for me to miss things because of wrestling. So my whole life I had missed things because of wrestling, but this was one thing that I really wasn't willing to miss. But at the same time, I knew this is what my dad would want is for me to be wrestling. And so I stayed at the big 12 tournament. I end up winning and, um, I come back and I give him my big 12 medal and I'm like, hold on dad, you know, we got one more to get. Um, and so we get back that Sunday or Monday morning. Um, it was the Sunday or Monday. I can't remember. And I drive up an hour and a half to Waterloo. I give him the medal an hour and a half later, he passes away. So this is in a midst of season, like in a midst of season and, or like right at the peak of it. And so like, 10 days later, you, you got the NCAA tournament. Um, and he, we had his funeral at my high school, Waterloo's High. That Monday, NCAA tournament on the Thursday. And so it's like preparation from that point on. And even, even before that just was like, it wasn't good preparation. Like it, it was just like, I wasn't, I wasn't present. My mind was elsewhere, you know. But I ended up all Americaning are becoming an All-American, took sixth place. Um, and I really don't know how, um, other than, like, I knew how to wrestle and I knew this is what my dad would want. But in terms of being, like, in a proper mind frame to, like, compete at a high level, it was just that sec- that last day, the third day of the NCAA tournament, I had nothing left. Like, nothing left emotionally, physically, mentally. Like, just was like – it was like I was in la-la land. Well, and at that, that point, it's a lot bigger than wrestling. You know? Yeah. And, and it was crazy because the people, like, at the NCAA tournament, everyone knew what happened. Because, mm-hmm. um, we're, again, we're in Iowa, my home state. Um, we're at the place where I won, you know, like, my state titles. And so my goal is to win, you know, NCAA title there, too, and, uh, for my dad. And I end up getting upset in the second round by someone I had beat three times um, already that year. And it was just, you know, it was, I guess you could say bad. But after that, um, I fall right back into the depression because I didn't grieve properly when everything happened. I postponed it. And then when everything hit, it like hit super bad. Um, And it took a while. It took um, until about October to get out of out of that depression. But it was like pretty heavily, like just drinking, um, smoking, you know, and it's just yeah. It was just like a very very dark place. And I and what honestly pulled me out was um, was God. Like I I, I started um, going to going to church. Like I grew up in church, um, but stopped. Um, probably in high school sometime and uh, just figuring out and realizing that it wasn't, everything wasn't about wrestling. Life is, life is going to be bigger than wrestling. Yes. You're going to have some of your happiest moments. um, Some maybe your your saddest moments, but life is going to be bigger than wrestling and you need to know who you are outside of wrestling. And so that was, 
really special for me. But this is what we were talking about earlier is that it pulled when my dad got sick, it pulled me to a place where I needed to be at a high level. But then my junior year, my dad was no longer there. So then everybody's like, well, you got to win the NCAA title for your dad. That had never been my motivator yeah, ever. Absolutely. That was never my motivator to do this for my dad. And so now I've placed this expectation on myself to do something for my dad when that's never, ever been my motivator. Mm-hmm. And that burden became way too heavy for me. That's um, a huge amount of pressure to put on yourself, yeah. or as, especially as a wrestler. And so, like, I didn't have the awareness then that it was too heavy for me, but I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. So I just take it on. Okay. Like, all right, I got to win for my dad. I got to win for my dad. So now I'm not even wrestling for myself. And I didn't want to wrestle that year. I told my coach I didn't want to wrestle. Um, but I told him I didn't want to wrestle because something was missing. And it was that, like, love for the sport and the craft that I had developed, but now I misplaced it because I'm hearing you got to win, you got to do this for your dad, da, da, da. And, like, he wouldn't even want that. Yeah. Like, he wouldn't want me to do it for him yeah. because that's never, that was never that why was I did thing. it. Um, and so I took fourth my, my junior year um, when I was ranked number one a good amount of the season, or I was ranked number one going into the NCAA tournament. Um, but I took fourth. And then that summer was really spent trying to figure out how I could fall back in love with the sport, like just the fundamental sport of wrestling, not all the extra stuff. Um, I could cut out all the excess noise um, and get back to just loving the sport of wrestling. And so when that happened, I did that. Um, that was really special for me. And so the last time I like had a drink or anything was September Labor Day week in 2013. That was the last time I've had like a drink or anything of that nature because it's like I wasn't doing it before, you know, things went bad. And then I realized at whatever point that that wasn't going to help me be better. You know, like that I was looking for something in that that wasn't ever going to be there, that wasn't ever going to be present. And, um, yeah, and so it was just that's basically what's kept me because, I mean, like that's seven seven years later in September, um, I guess you could say being sober. Not that I was like a raging alcoholic, but I had some – I had some definitely – had your some, way to cope with some really tough yeah, times. I was trying to – I was trying to, you know, cope and – um, escape instead of deal with, uh, with the issues. And so, um, I've used, uh, a counselor or a therapist, mm-hmm. um, to, to talk through things and to work through, um, my mind instead of always trying to deal with stuff in my head by myself, uh, and just t- talking and bouncing things off people. But I think the thing that was really important for me, um, is is like is is and was is is god you know um that's just me personally i know that's not everybody's uh, essentially cup of tea but it was really hard for me to deal with losing two very important and influential people in my life and um not understand why you know like my dad was um 13 he wasn't even 60 yet you know and so that 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 seems young um when you when you put it into perspective. perspective right and so it's like 
man, now that I'm like a dad and everything, it's like, this would have been fun. You know, it would have been fun watching him um, interact with um, his grandchildren and things like that. And so I'm, that's the thing that I miss the most about not having him around is that I didn't get to see him interact with his grandchildren. And uh, I mean, that's been hard, but you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been growth. And so if I was telling anything to someone out there that's struggling with it is ask, ask for help, talk to somebody. Don't, don't try to sift through everything alone because I think that honestly makes it, it, it harder. Um, I agree. I think it makes yeah. it harder in all truthfulness. Um, and, and, it's, and it's interesting because you never know, like, it's not like, I don't think things were like super glaring that everything was going wrong for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of people have uh, essentially maybe good poker faces. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, oh, everything's good. Whereas like you said, your situation, you were like staying in your room. So everybody's like, oh, like there's something probably wrong with yeah. that, right? Whereas yeah. like I'm out, you know, doing a thing, having a good time, sure. kind of smiling, laughing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's an interesting point because, you know, depression's very different for every person, right? Is that, you know, some people deal and cope with it differently. And so I actually, I didn't know I was, but I dealt with it the same way you were with alcohol and stuff like that. You know, prior to college, I never drank at all. I was very dialed into my tennis and, you know, that was all I did. I trained, eat, slept, like that was it. It was just a grind, right? And then I got to college and then you know, I started feeling this overwhelming pressure, like, you know, maybe a different one from you, but I felt this overwhelming pressure to be better, not only for myself, but for my team. And so any, if I had a bad week or something like that, I would just try and escape it by, you know, going out on the weekends. And, you know, it was interesting because looking back at it, you know, my parents uh, said a lot about, talked a lot about that to me because they would say they're not like are you okay like you know you've never done that before you know like that's different you know like they noticed something different with how I was acting and how I was dealing and so you know through all of that after you know I South Carolina you know it was a great place in a lot of ways for me I met some great people but the environment wasn't right for me I would say and so once I stepped back and I decided to transfer I really found that like my solace is kind of like not me as a tennis player, like, right. Like I don't, I can't judge myself by what I do, but it's more about like who I am. And so I think, you know, when you go, when you went through all of this and you dealt with this depression, you know, and you were, you realized the alcohol and all that was the wrong way. Do you feel like judging yourself by just who you are each day and like doing the best you possibly can and, you know, using your faith really helped you kind of use it and learn from it? Yeah, no doubt. I have no doubt about that, that it, it, it helped me grow. And um, now I'm secure. Like if wrestling were to end today, um, for whatever reason, I feel like I would be okay or have the skills, maybe not okay, but have the skills to deal with it in a better form than what I would have dealt with it in the past. Like, and, and that's important for me. Because now you have, I personally have, you know, a family and um, a different form of people relying on you than just a team, you know? And so, yeah, I feel, 
I feel comfortable enough to know that if it were to happen or anything like that, I feel like I could deal with it in a, a better, a better way. For sure. And yeah. And so you talked about, you obviously went through so many injuries and so much time off and, you know, when that happens to, you know, high level athletes, you know, they really realize that they, like you said, like you identified yourself like as a wrestler. Right. And so same thing happened for me as a tennis player. When, when you lose your, you know, what you love to do and like basically what's your happiness every single day, you have to kind of find other ways to deal with it. And you're talking about, you would be able to deal with it better now. Do you think like having a support system and the people around you are things that allow you to cope with it better and realize that it's not all about wrestling? Yeah, for sure. And I feel like I didn't do my support system justice because I wasn't honest with them about what I was going through. Um, and for me, that's like one of my principal values or, or character, um, like principles is that is, is honesty. And I didn't do my core, you know, support system, people, the people that want to help me, that want to see me be successful. I didn't do them any justice by keeping to myself or hiding what I was going through, what the things that were going on in my mind, because, oh, I don't want to look weak or, um, oh, they shouldn't have to deal with this or I don't need help. I'm tough. I'm strong. You know, like if, if I would have just been upfront, honest about what I was going through, I probably would have served or saved myself some, some um, heartache. And I think that would have been more responsible. And that's why like, I'm pretty big on transparency and honesty. Um, it's because like, I can't help. I know I couldn't get the help I needed until I was like honest. Or until somebody saw me, like there was a, a situation where some, some old teammates from high school came down to Ames and we had a, a good time, had a party. And they're like, yo, Kyvin, this is not you. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not you. Like, we know you, like yeah. this isn't you. Um, and it's one thing because a teammate from Ames had told me that. He's like, yo, man, like, yo, this is not you. And I'm like, you don't know me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we've been together for, you know what, like a year and a half? Like, yeah. like, you don't know me. But then when someone from high school that's known me for, you know, five, six, seven years, like, they're like, yeah, this isn't you, guy. Like, and your dad wouldn't want – I know, like, there's a lot going on, whatever, whatever. Um, but you shouldn't be dealing with it that way, you know? Yeah. And so I'm really grateful for people that were able to recognize that I was – acting out of myself um, or acting out, you know, like, yeah, I wasn't getting arrested and um, I guess doing a bunch of crazy stuff, but I was definitely acting out enough that it didn't Hurting get to yourself. the point. Yeah. And it didn't get to the point where I was getting arrested for drunk driving or I was getting arrested for, um, you know, fighting or, you know, crazy stuff because somebody recognized and was like, Hey bro, like, like I mean, I know you, this isn't you yeah, so absolutely. Um, I don't know how to get you help but I know like that you shouldn't be doing it so um and I think that's a really I think that's a really interesting point because I think there's a huge stigma in society about mental health and that if you're really struggling and you're not okay that you know there's something wrong with you or that you're broken and you know and like mm -hmm. that's how I really looked at myself when I went through it and like I'm sure that's how 
And I, I know that a lot of people look at it like that when they're going through. It. And so I think that point of honesty is a really, really cool one because it's so simple, but it's also something that you're not willing to do at that point because you don't, as athletes, you're really taught to hide your weaknesses and hide, you know, when you're on the field or on the court or, you know, in the, in the like circle, you know, whatever, right. Where, whatever sport you play, you're taught to hide it. And so it naturally carries over to life. And I think, you know, the honesty is a huge, huge key because yeah, you can't get help until you admit that you need it. And so, I mean, when you talk about your faith, do you feel like, you know, when you, that like something that guides you, I mean, whether it be God for everyone or not, but just their belief system, I think is something that's really important. Do you feel like having that honesty, like in your belief system and something like that, that no matter if it goes well, when you're honest about it or however people take it, that you feel like you did the right thing for yourself. And do you take, I guess, confidence and pride in that no matter the situation now? Yeah, I definitely feel that that my faith is, is that guiding like point for me. Um, or like that moral, you know, compass. And so if I lose a wrestling match, it's not like, you know, like I lose my faith, you know. Um, if I win one, it's not like, oh, my faith just got bigger, right? Like um, I feel like that spiritual um, or religious, you could say, um, connection is bigger um, than than the sport and it – it helps to make sure you're at peace and it looks different for everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I think, yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be a religion. You know, some people don't do it, but I think when you talk about that, do you feel like it's a really important factor for people to have like this, you know, this overwhelming, like, or this, this future goal, right. Is like something. So whether it doesn't have to be from your sport, but like this goal in life. So for instance, I, once I left there and I, in this summer, really, I've put a lot of focus into mental health and I judge myself off of, you know, these four characteristics that I want to be as a person. And Mm -hmm. do you feel like if somebody has this goal of what they want to do overall, that it's going to help guide them whenever they have like these adversities or these struggles uh, and they feel like maybe they're failing, but really there's another way to judge yourself. Yeah. Because then you have like a, you could say maybe a, a blueprint or um, a destination in mind um, and when you have a destination in mind sometimes it doesn't matter how you get there um, sometimes it'll be the easier you know route to get there sometimes there'll be detours and um, roadblocks and construction going on and um, that's really like how li- life works like oh so I want to get to this place well how do I get there oh well you take um first street all the way to Maine and take a right. And if Maine's blocked off because of construction, you're going to have to go a different way. And so a lot of times, and that's where the, a lot of times that's where the process comes in Um, and giving yourself to the process without um, complete, with a complete understanding of knowing that, yo, this is where I want to go. But maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to be here at this time. You know, and so, for example, in 2016, I wanted to be Olympic champ. Um, Now that I look back at it and I look at where I was mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, I wasn't prepared to be Olympic champ. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
I still want to be Olympic champ. So it's like, okay, yeah. now I'm committing to four more years to see if that can come to fruition. Um, and that's what I did in 16 and it's, it's going to end up being five. Um, and if it doesn't happen, uh, in 2021, then I'll have to, uh, analyze again and see if I'm willing to, um, put in that time, energy, effort, um, sacrifices to make it, make it happen, uh, and prepare myself in the best, best way possible. So. No, I think that's that's a really, really cool point is because, uh, you know, like goals are really interesting because you can kind of use them as a guiding light as well, but you can all, they can also be detrimental at times because you talked about it, you know, like you really wanted to be this Olympic champ and that was your goal. But, you know, it sounds like you have a really great understanding that, you know, you did the, like everything you could to be there at that time, but it maybe just wasn't meant to be. Uh, but you kind of re, I guess, revisited it and then realized that, you know what, like, I'll be ready, I'll be ready to go in four years. And like, yeah. I'll do give it my best again, then. And so I think that's really interesting for people to hear is because like, you know, that's where you want to go, but it's not going to happen exactly how you want it all the time. And I think right. that you can really learn from that. And that's where like, a growth mindset really helps. And like, it sounds like something that, that's like something that you really learned, I guess, is yeah. that growth mindset. Yeah, I mean, that's what they I mean, Carol, Carol, What's her name? Carol something. The lady that made the growth mindset book. It's Carol something. But um Lewis, yeah, maybe? About Carol? Carol Lewis, maybe? No, oh. it's, it's a D. It starts with a D. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out another time. Yeah. Um, but we talked about that a lot in grad school, because I went to grad school for um to get my master's for higher education and leadership. And we talked a lot about leadership and leadership is there's a big emphasis on knowing yourself and knowing who you are and knowing what makes you tick um, because it's really hard to get to try to you know control or whatever and guide and lead other people if you don't know what's going on internally with yourself and so that year was extremely helpful for me because it put an emphasis on me knowing who I was and I needed to know who I was so that I could be the best version of myself. And then once I'm the best version or a better version of myself, now I have some capabilities and abilities to lead um, and be secure in that, you know? Absolutely. No, I think that's a really interesting one. Leadership can be defined in so many different ways, but, I mean, being, um, you know, one of the leaders of Nebraska's team and stuff like that, I learned a lot that, you know, who you are isn't going to be who someone else is, right? And so I was in also in, you know, church, you know, yesterday, and they spoke a lot about uh, the David and Goli- versus Goliath story and how, you know, like David used his um, stones and, and uh, arrow and uh, bow to take down Goliath instead of using... Um, forget what the head of the army's name was, but instead of using his armor, right. And stuff like that. And so everybody's armor looks different. Right. And so like, that's a big key to leadership is that I would say that, you know, whatever makes you tick is maybe not going to make the person to the right of you tick. And right. I think and that's, that's something. Important. That's no, important to no. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing because that was something that, you know, I'm somebody that, you know, likes to put in tons of extra hours and, 
I'm always, I'm constantly like looking for that little niche, but you know, other people may need to back off and decompress a little bit more. And so, you know, that's a really cool skill that I think probably helps you learn a lot as the things go along as learn about yourself, but also other ways that you can take from other people that help you get better. Yeah. And it's like, you know, success looks different for everyone. So I have understanding what success looks like for a teammate um, is important as a leader, as a captain, as a coach. So what does success look like for you? Um, and really understanding it, not like the lip service success, like, oh, I want to be, I want to come in, I want to be a four-time undefeated, you know, NCAA champion. Nah, okay, right. <laughs> okay. But like really understanding what their success is, and that's why that honesty piece is so big because there's all, to have a like great team, everyone has their role, you know, and everyone has to do their role at a high level. And if everyone's not doing their role at a high level, then there's not going to be that, like that, that success. And so. No, I agree. That's an awesome point. And so, yeah, kind of like going into the closing uh, statement and stuff like that. So for all the, like the viewers out there who maybe are struggling or going through like some adversities similar to what you've been through, if you could give them, you know, one piece of advice uh, about what you've learned through it, what would it be? you are more than your current circumstances and people want to help you allow them to. No, I mean, that's a really good one. It's true. So, but, uh, Kyvin, thank you so much for coming on here. And, uh, it was an absolute uh, pleasure to hear your story and thank you so much for sharing that. And, willing to you know let everyone you know learn from it and stuff like that it was really great having you on yay thank you for having me pat i appreciate it absolutely man all right we'll talk soon thank you so much salute